Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Welcome to another episode of Fearless Rider with Heidi McLaughlin, where fear is no longer an option and confidence is a goal within reach. And now, here's your host, Heidi McLaughlin. Hello and welcome to the Fearless Rider podcast. This is the show for those who are looking for more confidence in the saddle and also in life. I'm your host, Heidi McLaughlin, and today's episode is called, It's Not the Horse. I mentioned on my last episode that in the eight years that I was stuck in fear, I bought and sold seven horses. True story. As soon as one of them did something to scare me, I would send them down the road and look for another one. But the problem was not the horses. The problem was me. But what I didn't know at the time was that no horse on earth would ever be right for me until I dealt with the real problem, which was my fear. But how? I mean, where do you start? I mean, what do you do to begin your journey to find confidence? The hardest part for me was finally admitting that I was not just uncomfortable in the saddle, but that I was truly fearful. I just prayed that the horse wouldn't act up and I wouldn't get hurt. But admitting your own faults isn't always easy. I also mentioned on my last episode that I went through six trainers, but most of them gave up on me. I mean, if I look at it from their point of view, here I was taking lesson after lesson, week after week, month after month, year after year, and I still didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was still fearful, nothing was sinking in, and I was still just praying that I didn't die that day and still dreading the next ride. So how is that enjoying your horse? How is that for frustration? So what was the problem? Why wasn't I learning? Why wasn't I becoming a better writer? So here's what I figured out. When a person is in fear, they are in self-preservation mode, which means that 
anything anyone tries to teach you will soak in. Even now, I'll be out on the trail with a few of my friends and a horse starts to act up or get in trouble and not only does the rider start to panic, but so does everybody else. And it drives me crazy. As I sit back, I watch a bunch of well-meaning people all yelling commands to the rider at the same time. Meanwhile, the horse is getting more upset with the heightened energy. The other horses start getting upset. And this is the way accidents happen. Fortunately, I have learned to become very calm in those situations. I don't raise my voice and I rely on my training to instinctively kick in which it does when you've practiced it enough. It's much easier to blame others, though, even your horse, for your own shortcomings. But until we're ready to accept the responsibility of our own lack of knowledge, we can't move on. You know, when I was a kid, and I think this is true for most people, we didn't have lessons You didn't go to a trainer, your friend had a horse, or your parents had a horse, or your grandparents had a horse, and they just threw you on his back, and they told you to kick to go and pull back to stop. You know, I mean, how hard is that, right? So now we get older, and we finally have the money and the time to get back into horses, And all of a sudden, we realize this is a lot harder than I remember it. I mean, I have so many people tell me all the time. I used to ride anything when I was a kid. I'd get on a fence post. I would get on a bucket. I would didn't have a saddle. I fell off. I got back on. I don't understand this. Where is this fear coming from now? Well, number one... And this is sometimes hard for people to accept. But number one, you really weren't as good of a rider as you thought you were. You were just fearless when you were younger. Number two, you grew a brain. Yes, you. when you're little, you don't understand consequences. You break an arm and your mom's going to bring you soup and take you to the doctor. And you get older Who's going to do all that for you? Who's going to pay the bills? Who's going to take care of everybody else if you're hurt because you got in a horse accident? So when I say you grew a brain, you know, when you're little, you just never even, never even occurs to you that you could be hurt. So we can't be hard on ourselves for what we don't know, because some people that's That's just where their fear comes in. You don't know what you don't know, so therefore, you're not in control. If we're not in control, that's where fear comes from. Or some people know what they know, and you fear it happening again. And by that, I mean there are people that have been in accidents or witnessed bad accidents. They see what can happen, and therefore, fear sets in, and they think, What if that happens to me? I think I was both of these. Um, There's so much I didn't know when I thought I was an intermediate rider. When I started peeling back the layers to see what was missing in my training. 
Um, and also, I had seen other people get thrown. I had never actually been hurt on horseback myself, but I had seen it. I and I dreaded it, and I didn't want it to happen to me. So here, here's what I realized. I realized, especially with recreational riders, we don't take our horsemanship seriously. Um, imagine now you didn't know how to swim, and you went to your first swimming lesson, and the first day the teacher asked you to jump off the high dive. I mean, you're not prepared, right? But that's how we approach horsemanship. We get on and we just go. And then we've missed all these important steps, all these um, huge amounts of understandings we have to have into the mechanics of how a horse's mind works and how our body works in sync with the horse to get them to do and cooperate with the commands that we're asking them to do. I mean, I when I get on a horse, I want the horse to feel that I am secure, that I am confident, and I have their back so that they can relax. But unfortunately, that doesn't happen. I mean, the poor horses, when I was in fear, the poor horses would see me coming and I could just see them. They'd begin to brace themselves because they, because they could already feel my negative and fearful energy before I even went over to put a halter on. I mean, think about it. What horse wants to join up with a rider he can't trust? I think that was Monty Roberts, wasn't it, that originally coined that phrase. But so here's, here's what I want to express to you when you're starting your journey into confidence is that you're going to have to break a lot of bad habits and then establish a lot of good habits. And how you do this is by starting back at basics. So once you're ready to admit that you're, that you are the problem and you can begin to get your mental self ready to throw out the old and start with the new you will come to a place where you'll be able to start to see some differences. Now, I mentioned last week that the mind works on the building of small accomplishments, which means that you cannot learn to ride by somebody yelling at you a whole bunch of different commands and expect to build any type of expertise that way. The first thing we need to do is we got when we start back at the basics is that we have to realize the importance of groundwork. It is probably the most underutilized part of horsemanship, but probably the most effective exercises in actually building a bond with your horse, actually becoming their leader and their friend and the person they want to join up with. And I call it a partnership. And honestly, I can't teach you groundwork on a podcast, but I will suggest, I really highly suggest that you 
invest in a groundwork clinic where you learn nothing but how to control your horse's body because if you control your if you can control their body you can control their mind if you can control their mind you can control their feet and all you're doing with groundwork is you're teaching a partnership you're teaching that horse to respect you and your space And then you're going to take those same things that you learned on the ground and transfer them onto the horse's back so that when you put pressure on one side of the horse, you're going to get the other side to move, whether it's the shoulders or the hips or the rib cage. And those are the things that they teach you in a groundwork clinic. Um... I was going to say a video, but I, I, I don't think a video is helpful in the case of groundwork. And I'll tell you why. I believe there's a lot of nuances, subtle nuances that you will miss if you don't already understand groundwork and you're trying to watch it on a like a video or a DVD or something. So That is my recommendation. Either you have a trainer, you find a trainer, or you already have a trainer that believes in groundwork and does groundwork and can teach you groundwork, or see if you can find a clinic that you could go to, whether it's one or two days, that you really can drive home the understanding of groundwork. Now, I'm going to tell you a funny story. When when I was in, two, let's see, let's see, it was 2002. My horse chief was just a two-year-old. I was down in Mineral Wells, Texas, and I was going for my first six-day clinic with Chris Cox. And I, that's when I thought I was an intermediate rider. And he started the whole group of us out on uh, groundwork, and was trying to teach us how to disengage the hindquarters, how to um, start to move the horse on the ground and respond, keep his attention on you, all, all the things that are so important that actually creates a bond between you and your horse. Well, at the time, I didn't even know what groundwork was, because this is in 2002, and I think Uh, John Lyons was beginning to talk about natural horsemanship and a lot of people were still kind of scratching their head over this kind of cowboy natural horsemanship horse whisperer kind of voodoo that they didn't really understand but nowadays is mainstream it's mainstream because it's been shown to be so effective I, I think I said last week we don't break horses anymore we start horses And I asked uh, a friend of mine once who I feel is very, very good at starting horses. And I asked him, when you had a a fearful rider, what do you do? And he said, I do the same thing with riders as I do with baby horses. Is I bring them back to their comfort zone, make them comfortable, and then start from there. So if a horse is being trained and becomes fearful, then we know we're pushing them too fast. The same goes for horsemanship. If I see that a person is fearful and not able to move on, I have to get them back to their comfort zone and start to build again. 
And when we realized that this was working in horses, it started to become kind of also um, mainstream to start offering uh, fear fear clinics or confidence clinics or things like that a lot more than you saw in the past. And the problem I had when I was watching some of um, the trainers or clinicians um, do confidence clinics or try to help people with fear was they were still pushing them too fast. And I felt that the people were doing what they were told to do because of peer pressure. But like I tell my students, I don't want you to need me. So when I have observed people, trainers, I should say, kind of forcing riders into doing something they're clearly not ready to do, let's just for an example say cantering. I know they're doing it for peer pressure, but what the problem is, is are they going to do that at home? They might canter that day and be terrified. They got through it. They did it. Afterwards, they cried. Everybody patted them on the back. And they said, you did it. You did it. But when they go home, are they still going to be able to do it? And that's what I try to get across is that this is a process. It is Like I said last week, it's not a quick fix. There's no magic pill. It is a slow process with continuous practicing. But the practices can't be scary. And the exercises can't be scary. So what do we do? We break it down. We've got to be able to break down and build you up breaking bad habits, establishing better habits, and continuing to move you forward and fill in those holes. There's, if you're afraid, there's holes in your training somewhere. So I, I, when I was with Chris Cox that first six days, I had never met him before. My horse chief was down at his ranch for training. He was um, an unbroke intact stallion when I sent him. And after he had been there six weeks, I went down for six days to Mineral Wells, Texas, so that I could learn with him and on him. And the first three days, we never got on horseback. For three days, we did nothing but groundwork. And I didn't even know what it was. And it terrified me, absolutely terrified me. I kept thinking that the horse was going to charge me or... I kept kept seeing, you know, people, the horses were running off and things, things were happening. And I, it just felt chaotic to me and it felt scary. And when Chris told us to lift our direction arm and drive that horse, horse's hips around, I, I couldn't even comprehend what he was saying because I was so fearful. I stood there with this little baby horse that I had, that had just had six weeks on him thinking, what arm did he say? What hand? How do I drive him around? What is he asking me to do? So I thought if I just kind of hid in the back of the group, he wouldn't notice me. But anyone who's taken a clinic from Chris Cox, you know, he has eyes in the back of his head. He doesn't miss a thing. So then he asked me and I just stood there. I stood there paralyzed in fear, 
And he kept saying, well, lift up your direction arm. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, what direction arm? Do I even have an arm? I mean, that's how terrified I was. So what happened as a result of that is that that was the scariest part of the clinic for me, those first three days, because I didn't understand groundwork. It was foreign to me. And once I got it and began to understand it, and therefore it had meaning, I was able to absorb it. I wasn't great at it, but I got better. I got better and better, and I I just kept at it. And I was actually, I found, more afraid on the ground than I was on the horse's back, which a lot of people find opposite of the norm. So I got through that week, and... It was very, very difficult. For those of you who read my book, I think I explain it in in detail because I didn't realize how hard writing correctly was and didn't realize how much I didn't know. And I really didn't realize how fearful I was until I was asked to to do things that I absolutely had no idea. First of all, how to do or why to do them and so therefore, there I didn't hold them in any type of regard. Once I learned how valuable it was and why it was important to uh, have a, establish a good and proper groundwork uh, pattern and you know regime with your horse is when I began to value it and I got to be better and better at it. I think sometimes we, if we don't understand why we do something, then it doesn't have meaning. I remember when someone was teaching me how to collect my horse for the first time. I didn't understand why you collected a horse. Therefore, it didn't have any meaning and I didn't hold it with any kind of value. We'll get to collection in a later podcast, but to get back to groundwork, to show how important it is, if you... If you Think of the Spanish School of Riding in Vienna. A group of children, once a year, and I say children because they're allowed to start at 15, they have, most of them have very little, if all, uh, horse experience. They have to be the right height, the right weight. I mean, there's a lot of criteria that goes in, which starts to eliminate them. So they all go for tryouts and uh they're going, they go through certain kind of, um, they're asked to do certain types of agility and not on horseback either. And they're selected. And once they're selected, they have to do groundwork. They're, they're assigned, they're assigned a horse and it's usually a more, um, seasoned horse. And they do not get on that horse for two years. For two entire years, they do nothing but groundwork. Um, At the third year, they are allowed to get on the horse's back, but they don't touch the reins. The reins um, are, excuse me, the instructor is holding the reins on the ground behind the horse, long reins. And they walk behind the rider with the long reins and no reins. And this is all to teach the student balance, 
and an independent seat, a balanced and independent seat. I remember when I didn't even know what a seat was. Somebody would say, did you find your seat? What? Yeah, I looked back there. I've, it's still there, just as big as ever. Uh, what do you mean, did I find it? I didn't know it had gone anywhere. <laughs> and, and so see how things don't have value if you don't understand the meaning. So the fourth year of the Spanish riding school, they're, around, they're allowed to ride a horse independently, but under the watchful eye of an instructor. It's not till their fifth or sixth year, and um, they say 80% of them don't even make it through the fifth or sixth year. It's very difficult, and you have to be very, very passionate and willing to put in an inordinate amount of work. Now, am I saying that you need to do two years of groundwork before you get on your horse's back? No, of course not. But what I am saying is that it is extremely underutilized and extremely effective for your confidence building. So the importance of groundwork is where I start. In my three-day clinics, I teach that the first thing we need to do is learn to back a horse up on the ground, ask him to come forward on the ground, ask him to move his hindquarters, ask him to move his rib cage, ask him to move his shoulders, and all with him watching my body for what it is that I'm asking him to do, which is why being good at this becomes important because they are watching everything we do and the smallest nuance they are watching our body language for what it is that we're asking them to do. So that's why we don't want to give them mixed signals. That's why we want to be good at this. So that when we send a horse off around us in a round pen, or when we ask a horse to move his hindquarters, we are doing it in a way that the horse completely understands. That's why you need to make sure you're doing it correctly and it's a very effective tool. The other three things, and I'm going to go into detail with these other three things that you can begin to start working on. I'm going to go into detail about it next podcast, but I'm going to go over it a little bit today, just because the first thing I want you to do is I really want you to start riding mentally instead of emotionally stop taking what your horses do personally and try to understand what they're telling you you know when a horse acts up they only act up for usually one of two reasons either fear or pain and it's our job to figure out what that is is the horse in pain is the horse fearful are they do they not understand are we confusing them and these are all important things that we miss when we don't have a clear understanding of our horsemanship and our horses and what they're trying to tell us. So once we can become good at groundwork and continue always using it, I find it's very effective to get their attention on me 
especially on days that there's a lot of distractions. I find it a great tool to get my horse focused on me, get ourselves uh, using Monty Roberts uh, saying, get ourselves joined up and start thinking on the same lines and ready to work together. Also, um, you must find balance. So balance is the number one thing in your saddle. Posture is also an important thing in your saddle and finding your seat. So I had a friend of mine. It's funny when you have friends that you know have or experience some level of fear and I'm right there willing to help. But it's different because I'm their friend, so I don't help anybody unless they ask me. I don't say, hey, you need to do this or you need to do that. Unless it's an emergency situation where I can be calm and explain to someone how to calmly get their horse out of a situation that they're in. I don't give advice. It's, it's, it's just funny that way. Your friends are your friends. They're not your clients or your students. But recently I had a friend and she was, got off the horse and said that her knees hurt. And I said, well, you know why that is, don't you? And she said, no. And I said, well, because you're, you're putting too much pressure in your stirrups. You're bracing yourself. And you're squeezing with your legs. She said, well, then how do you hold on? How do you keep from falling off? And it was all I could do to just remain calm because I wanted to say, are you kidding me? But I just calmly said, you have to find your balance in the saddle. And that starts with posture and finding your seat. Now, if you want to find your seat, you're going to sit in the stirrups. I mean, excuse me, <laughs> you're going to sit in the saddle. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you right now how you're going to find your seat. You're going to sit in the stirrup, in the saddle, and you're going to take your feet out of the stirrups, and you're going to bring your knees up, like to your chest. Probably not to your chest if you're like me, but you're going to bring your knees up. What that does is that's tucking now your tailbone under, and then without moving your, your butt where it is, now that you've pulled your knees up, You're going to leave your butt there and slowly put your feet back in the stirrups, heels down, and it's going to feel awkward at first, but that's your seat right there. You're going to want to scoot back and stick your butt out more, but that's incorrect. You find your seat by sitting in the saddle, take your feet out of the stirrups, bring your knees up, and as a result, your, your hind end will tuck under. Now leave it there. Take your legs back down, put them back in the stirrup, and feel that. Now, pretty soon, if you continue to ride and check it, like I, I would ride in the arena, and I'd go around a few times, and then I would stop, check my, my uh, seat. Nope, I had scooted back. Did it again. Walk, trot. Nope, I had scooted back. I kept checking, checking, and checking. And then I realized one day when I lifted my, my knees up, there it was. I was already there and that became comfortable to me. That became my correct seat. Now your posture 
is your shoulders and your hips need to be square, but also square with the horse's shoulders and hips. I see people riding cockeyed all the time, one shoulder in front of the other or one hip down, and I think, can't you feel that? Well, you will be able to feel it when you start doing it correctly. Now, as far as balance, the best way that I've found to teach balance is that you get on, you're going to need a friend to help you with this or a spouse or something, but like I say in a round pen or an arena, you're going to get on your horse. He's going to be saddled, but he's just going to have a halter on. And you're going to put your, get in the saddle, put your stirrups in, check your seat, stomach in. I say stomach in because I like to remind people that's kind of, you say stomach in, it kind of reminds people to tuck under, make sure your seat's correct. Put your arms out to the side as if you're on a balance beam. And then you're going to have someone lead you around. You're going to have no reins. And you're going to walk and walk and walk and walk and have somebody turn that horse, turn that horse. Your body needs to be so relaxed that when the horse moves, your body moves with them. And walking, walking, pretty soon when you feel good, trot. Start trotting. You're going to see it first. It's like, whoa, Nellie, you're, you're so used to gripping onto their face, holding onto their, their, their reins so tight and their mouth real tight which is a false sense of security. You're so used to doing that because you're so nervous all the time. I'm taking that away from you. You've got to learn to ride with good posture, a good seat, and good balance. So do this exercise, I say 15 minutes a day for a week, and see if that doesn't help immensely with your balance. You're not going to grip with your legs. You're not going to brace in your stirrups. You're simply going to balance in the saddle. Now, what this is going to require is that you can't be stiff in your body or your hips or your thighs. You have to relax. Relax in your hips. Relax in in your thighs and release and walk. Move with the horse. So your body is walking with the horse. So the horse moves this direction, you move with him. When he turns, your body moves with him. And you start doing this and relaxing in the saddle, breathing, 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 just relax and breathe. You're going to start to see how it's hits now becoming more natural. You don't you have to feel like you got to hang on to the saddle horn or hang on to the horse's mouth real tight with, the, you know, death grip on their reins or, or squeezing with your legs or bracing on your stirrups. You're now going to start riding correctly. And once you learn that, it's harder to fall off. We're going to get into that a lot more next week when we talk about how not to fall off. And we talk about some more of these hints that you're going to need to help you with your fear. We'll talk about some emotional things too. So I just want to thank you for listening today. And I want to wish you well until we see each other and talk again. This is Heidi McLaughlin. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Fearless Rider with Heidi McLaughlin. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and please rate us and give a review. 
For more information, go to fearlessrider.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.